my headphones, Charles. Turn it up. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. (laughs) I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well. And what's that? We're back with a third installment of the Friends Pitching Fantasy Series. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know what it was. I guess it's a series. (laughs) That fantasy is not going to pitch itself, Charles. It needs friends to do it, and that's what we're here for. Exactly. We just finished our reading of the short story collection of The Witcher, and we are preparing for our Book of the Ancestor buddy read. But you know when one series ends and we only have one more left on the table, that means we got to start planning the next two series that we're going to read. And we figured why not turn that into some grade-A content. And that's what we're hoping to give you today is some grade A content, but we'll settle for B plus. <laughs> Still above average. Oh uh, um, yeah. So Dylan, we're gonna make some uh, some changes to the format this time around. Yeah, we've been deliberating a lot over here in the FTF studio. Uh, which is just a Zoom call for any wondering. (laughs) (laughs) And we have decided to make a few changes. Charles, do you want to run them through? Sure. So, and the last time we had a very specific layout, this time around we're changing things up. We're simplifying it a little bit more. Um, We're getting rid of the desk rejection. The desk rejection has been rejected. Now... What we're going to do is because we've split this into a two-parter, this will be Dylan pitching his three series, and I'm going to be pitching my three series on Wednesday. And because we were able to split it up, we figured let's do away with the desk rejection and just give us the opportunity to pitch all three books. Right, Charles. And should we run through for anyone new to Friends Pitching Fantasy what the process looks like now that we've sure. got rid of that desk rejection? Sure. So, I mean, guys, reading a fantasy series is a huge commitment, right? Y- you don't want to start a series without doing your proper research. You know, nothing's worse than being burned by a bad book, right? You don't want to get burned. And we love talking fantasy here on the Friends Talking Fantasy podcast. And one of the things that we were talking about off the air was, you know, how do we come up with the series that we're going to read? And that's how Friends Pitching Fantasy was born. It's like, let's take that conversation onto the air. We're each going to pitch three series on what we want what we want the next one to be. Okay, Dylan's going to pitch three series to me. I'm going to pitch three series to Dylan. And the way it works is when Dylan pitches his three series, I'm going to pick one of them. And that's the one we're definitely going to be reading. And then Dylan's going to pick one of mine. And then we'll have those two series be the next series that we're going to read on our reading schedule. So, and then we'll determine the order with just a little bit of destiny, that good old uh, digital coin flip. Mm -hmm. 
which we will narrate to you <laughs> using our audio format. That's right. So maybe someday we'll perfect that. But for now, you got the digital coin flip. It'll be very exciting. We promise. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did I miss anything, Dylan? Should we just get right into it? Yeah, let's get into it. We also got rid of the mandatory question asking part of this. It's basically yeah. exactly it's what gonna be like a re- said. Yeah, gonna Dylan's going to pitch a book. I'm going to kind of react to it, maybe ask him mm-hmm. some questions before he pitches the next one, just so we're kind of sharing our thoughts, get on the same page before we actually choose a book. So this is going to be a Dylan episode. And uh, Dylan, why don't you share with us your three picks for our next series? Sure. Well, my three picks are some good ones, Charles. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing back the Gentleman Bastard series, beginning wow. with The Lies of Locke Lamora the by Prodigal Scott Son Lynch. Returns. Uh, longtime <laughs> fans of the Friends Pitching Fantasy uh, series will know that uh, once a series is pitched, it cannot be pitched again for the next series. It has to lapse over. You know, it has to, There needs to be a space in between. So our very first ever friends pitching fantasy, uh, good old, uh, good old gentleman bastards was in the in the runnings, and then uh, it was rejected. So desk rejected back when that was a thing, which <laughs> for new listeners means Charles didn't even let me use my pitch, which also meant that this time around I got to just reuse something I already wrote, which is helpful for me. <laughs> a little less homework for the Marshman over here. That's true. So you're welcome for that. I mean, he pitched a bunch of heavy hitters, and uh, I knew I wanted to read that book, so. That's why I rejected it, but I always felt bad about it. So I'm glad it has returned and it will get its moment to to shine and you get to unveil that pitch to me and to the public. I'm very excited to unveil it, Charles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So next up is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. And for that one, I'm pitching just book one of the Wayfarers series. Okay. It, there are other books, but I haven't read them yet. I really enjoyed this first one back when I re- was reading it for the Reddit bingo board on our fantasy. Uh, it was my like title over however many words. Yeah. <laughs> it does have a very long title, a very good title, and it's an awesome book. So I'm looking forward to pitching book one of the Wayfarers series. Nice. And last up is uh, a series very near and dear to my heart, Charles. It's the first law series wow. by the Lord Grimdark himself, Joe <laughs> Abercrombie. So for this one, I'm pitching that we would read the next three, like the first law series itself, which is a trilogy, as among our next three books that we would read. But I'm also looking to lock you in, Charles, to us reading at least the eight books we would have to read, which that's uh, the First Law original series, the trilogy, Uh three standalone books, and then two more novels, which comprises Age of Madness trilogy, which will finish this upcoming September, I want to lock you into reading all eight of the books we would need to read to be <laughs> able to then read The Wisdom of Crowds, which will be the 
final book in the Age of Madness trilogy. All of this takes place in the First Law world. There is also a short storybook called Sharpens I'd like us to read, but I won't necessarily lock you into it uh, okay. via this. That's pitch. quite the commitment, but I mean, today's a big day in Friends Talking Fantasy History, where even the potential for Joe Abercrombie to come into the fold is, is for yes. the first time on our show. Very momentous occasion. So I'm very excited to hear that pitch as well. Dylan is our is our uh, first law expert and one of Abercrombie's biggest fans, I would say. I can at least say the latter is probably true. I don't know if the former is. I don't know if I would quite say I'm an expert, but I am a huge, huge fan of Jarvis Crombie. So I want to, I don't know when we'd read if you did pick this, uh, the books following the original trilogy, but I just want us to be caught up so we can be a part of when the Age of Madness series ends, be a part of the conversation, because I'll be reading it anyway. I've been <laughs> right. keeping up. Um, but Charles, I want you there with me. You're my I buddy. Hear, I hear you. Well, before you start pitching it too much, let's go <laughs> ahead. Which book do you want to start with pitching? I'll go in the order that I present them. All right. So I'll start with Gentleman Bastard, that's, uh, beginning with The Lies of Locke Lamora by Scott Lynch. You ready? I'm, I'm ready. Anya. I'm ready. All right. <laughs> This story takes place in a fantasy version of Venice and follows a thieving crew called the Gentleman Bastards, led by the roguish Locke Lamora. The crew gets entangled in political intrigue, emerging from the dark underbelly of the city. Charles, I say with no exaggeration that The Lies of Locke Lamora, the first book in the Gentleman Bastards series, may be my single favorite book in the entire genre. Wow. Yeah. I also am willing to say that the titular character, Locke Lamora, is one of my top few favorite characters in fantasy, which you may remember from our favorite characters. I do remember. Um, <laughs> so I know that you picked Tyrion as one of your top characters in our first ever favorite characters episode, Charles. I sure did. <laughs> The things that I remember you emphasizing around why you love Tyrion are that he's, A, extremely clever, and it's shown to us as readers, not just told to us that he's clever. Mm -hmm. uh, B, that he has great relationships with those around him. And even though I don't know if you mentioned this explicitly in our favorite characters episode, I know as your buddy that you love that Tyrion is funny and constantly providing us with strong, witty dialogue throughout <laughs> his time on the page. It's well, true. I am here to tell you that Locke Lamora is one of the best characters in the genre for all three of the aforementioned factors that make you like Tyrion, which I'll detail next. All right? Uh -huh. I'm not saying that he's necessarily like Tyrion per se in fact they're very different but he does have all those characteristics that you like there okay so Locke Lamora is clever much like Tyrion you get to actually see what kind of stuff he does to pull off the heights and cons and it's often shown to you that he's a smart dude through the complex plans that he concocts and then acts out He's also got a brazen streak that is a bit of a character flaw that can make these cons very high stakes and therefore very interesting. He's put in situations that seem to pit him against all odds, and he lacks any incredible magic prowess or fighting ability or anything like that to get him out of it. His weapon, much like Tyrion's, is his mind. 
part of why I love Lies of Locke Lamora revolves around Locke being stuck in a seemingly impossible situation that you have no idea how he could possibly find his way out of, but you believe that if anyone could find their way out of it, Charles, it's Locke Lamora. <laughs> so I also said that Locke Lamora has great relationships. This is widely uh, believed among fans of the fantasy genre that have read these books. His relationship with Jean, his best friend, especially, is really great. People always list this as one of their favorite duos whenever something like that comes up. But he has awesome relationships with his mentor figure, Father Chains, and the rest of the thieving crew as well. Our buddy from Twitter, David S., uh, who we're always interacting with over there, shout sure. out to David S., said in his review... The chemistry between this group of five friends is unreal and one of, if not the best example of found family I have ever read. Mm -hmm. I also mentioned that Locke Lamora and everyone else in the book <laughs> happens to have clever dialogue as well. But Locke Lamora has extremely clever dialogue. Every conversation is essentially well-written to the point that I remember when I was reading this legitimately thinking that was unrealistic for Lynch to be writing every freaking character like they are that witty. <laughs> like there have to be some people in your world who aren't that clever <laughs> uh, although for me and i think for you too charles having too much witty banter is a good problem to have yeah for sure <laughs> so charles read the lies of Locke lamora and the rest of the series because it's about Locke lamora a man who was once described as one-third bad intentions one-third pure avarice one-eighth sawdust and what's left must be brains <laughs> Oh, wow. So I finally heard it I've, after yeah. all these months, the the big pitch. You know, you didn't really have to pitch me too hard on Gentleman Bastards. It's been at the top of my read list, but you went for it anyway. <laughs> and what can I say? It's uh, very compelling. Um, you're pitching all the yes. three books that are currently out, right? The three books that are out. So that's the thing that we kind of talked about last time was like, oh, there's nothing but love for that first book. And like I peeked at Goodreads to see reviews and everyone's raving over it. But it kind of is a bit of diminishing returns as the as the series goes on. I'm just wondering what your enthusiasm level is for books two and books three. Yeah, I'm. As I mentioned here, my favorite of these books is The Lies of Locke Lamora. I think that that is the strongest book in the series. And I'm not going to lie to you, my buddy, Charles. I'm not mm -hmm. Locke Lamora. So <laughs> uh, I will tell you that the quality does go down. But I think, especially having some time since I've read it, when I take a step back from how amazing the first one was, I can see how great the second and third still are just within the broader spectrum of quality of fantasy novels. They're still really, really, really good. And at the core, we still have the character of Locke Lamora and we have his relationships. And I think that's what, the, and the dialogue, and that's what these books are really about. You're not going to lose that. But yeah, the the first is the strongest, Charles. Okay, okay. Um, wow. Uh, yeah, man. I'm really. I'd be super happy to read these. I, I'm a huge. I like my my interest has been so peaked. You've got. I've seen some top authors like Mark Lawrence and Patrick Rothfuss on Goodreads being like, 
this book was insanely good. Uh, it's part of a. How many books are expected to be in this series? Do we know or? You're asking the right questions. I think that number is out there. I think that I do want to say at some point I saw something along the lines of like seven or eight. And or the like that. right and the fourth but, book, there's no release date anywhere in sight. Right, this kind of. Yeah, I think there's some rumblings that have come out, Charles, that people say, oh, the draft is done and things like that. So a little bit more than maybe we've seen from some other series where we're not really sure if any progress is happening or what. Um, But I, I think that I would say view this along the same lines that we've tried to view the Kingkiller Chronicle through, which is it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. And each of these books is their own story that is very much worth reading, irrespective of when the next book and whatever after comes out. And don't quote me on that, like seven or eight. I I actually don't know. Yeah, it's Um, fine. I didn't really need to know. Okay, well, I mean... I'm happy with where we are with Gentleman Bastards. And if you are, I'm ready for the the next pitch. Sure. Let's do it. All right. Next one is Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. And again, just pitching book one of this series. So, Charles, I don't know how much you and maybe our listeners know about this series. Absolutely so nothing. <laughs> first part of the blurb from Goodreads. It was originally self-published. This isn't part of my pitch. It was originally self-published and it got picked up. So I think it was started from a Kickstarter, actually. Interesting. Kind of interesting. But anyway, I, I grabbed a blurb from Goodreads, <laughs> which is follow a motley crew on an exciting journey through space and one adventurous young explorer who discovers the meaning of family in the far reaches of the universe in this lighthearted debut space opera from a rising sci-fi star. And I, Charles, I, I realize that the other two pitches probably address things that are higher up on your TBR list. Uh, mm-hmm. That's probably to say um because of that i i realize this one might be a, a little bit of an uphill battle and for that reason i've decided to frame this as being just pitching that one book and i want you to think about this book as a palette cleanser charles okay. i know we've both pitched sci-fi and space opera books before on fpf through this kind of framing and i'm going to make the case here that it's time we finally follow through (laughs) in the form of the long way to a small angry planet this book besides having amazing title has a ton to offer us one of the strengths presented by this series is a diverse cast full of strong characters many strong characters who are women good representation of lgbtq plus folks and thoughtful exploration of matters of prejudice represented across a universe of uh, also uh, that also includes different alien species and cultures uh, i feel strongly that many of the themes explored through this novel will feel really fresh compared to the fantasy that we We've been reading. I know I mentioned a uh, found family vibe there from Lies of Locke Lamora as one of the positives there. I think that Long Way, uh, I'm trying to call it that to shorten the title, Long Way hits that element even stronger than Lies does because you get to see this eclectic group of characters that comes from uh, quite literally different worlds um, uh, that uh, they have to navigate their 
concerns and conflicts and differences in a way that is truly interesting and, and honestly admirable, Charles. Mm-hmm. That leads me to another strong point from the series that will uh, help it feel fresh. It's optimistic and hopeful in its tone, Charles. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so you heard Goodreads there describe it as lighthearted. Uh, the series we just finished, in contrast, The, the Witcher, uh, we were saying that no good deed goes unpunished for Geralt. And there's a lot of dark themes and dark things that happen in, in those books. The series we're reading now, the book of the Ancestor, starts off with a traumatized little girl sold for nothing from her village to be put in a cage and sold off again. We're also containing the Poppy War series, which gets labeled as Grimtark for good reason, because it depicts genocide and other extremely dark content. The two other series I'm pitching here, Gentleman Bastards and First Law, are very dark themselves. You know, we've said Abercrombie is uh, referred to as Lord Grimdark, and yeah. that's for good reason, too. <laughs> that's so, true. Uh, yeah. So, Charles, I say all that to remind you how much dark, gritty fantasy we've been involved in, and say, when we're dealing with all of this, Maybe we do want to jump into this more lighthearted uh, feeling found family space opera optimistic novel that Becky Mm. Chambers gives us. So Becky Chambers' perspective uh, in which she writes long way is optimistic and hopeful, like I've said, without feeling that it's like Pollyannish or overly optimistic. Uh, While crappy things do happen and definitely take place in her universe, the way that people deal with it is typically well-intentioned. And honestly, (laughs) it's nice to see something like that when you're in the midst of all this grimdark. I think that if we pick up this book next, we'll be feeling refreshed to have done something different and we'll be ready to dive back into all of these grim modern fantasy takes as that continues to be necessary for us (laughs) as fantasy fans. And, you know, I like that stuff as much as anyone, but even I can use a change of pace every once in a while. So, Charles, grab Becky Chambers' first book in this Hugo Award for Best Series-Winning Space Opera that Tor.com said the following about. Becky Chambers' debut is a joyous, optimistic space opera. Although it isn't shy about tackling big questions, Planet is a heartwarming debut novel that will restore your faith in science fiction specifically and humanity in general. And can't we... Can we all use a little of that restoring faith in humanity in general every once in a while? <laughs> uh, for sure, especially if you read enough modern fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> oh, man. Well, great pitch. Thank you for turning me on to this series. When you said you were going to uh, include it, I had never heard of it before. So today was the like my first time um, being introduced to it. And... It does seem, like you said, like a good palate cleanser. Like, you know, as much as we love these modern fantasy, grimdark fantasy kinds of scenes, you you don't want to be in that headspace for too long. You know, like all this treachery and betrayal and murder and blood and torture and all that stuff is fun and entertaining, but you don't want it to be in your headspace perpetually forever and ever. So the idea of a cleanser does sound appealing. Um, Dylan, have you seen the TV show Firefly? 
I actually have not. I'm sure I'm gonna mm. get my nerd uh, credit revoked. <laughs> That's after fine. You don't have to have seen that. it. But I was scouring reviews for this book as well, and they did call on Firefly. Firefly's, you know, Josh Whedon, who also mm-hmm. did like the Avengers and like this idea of having a group of people who are like. Uh, all kind of a wholesome cast then they're all kind of different characters and it's fun to see them like this found family kind of thing you're talking about with lies of laquamora um but they make like a troop and it's science fiction and stuff like that and they go on adventures and things um so a lot of people comparing it to that which is a plus for me i liked firefly so um but also like the criticism of this book when it's compared to Firefly and even, you know, the people say like, yeah, it does have like a positive troop of people, but like all of the, th- all of the themes and the characters are pretty like, um, I'm trying to come up with the, the words that these, but some people said it was like super sweet or not too like in depth or something like that. Do you kind of resonate with any of does that make sense or are these people just being like oh look overcritical so the criticism is that they are kind of too surface level or too it's, nice it's, it's like what they're saying that like they get that they get like the author's kind of obvious with her themes about these groups getting along and whatever and and the the characters are uh, you know some people said sickly sweet i guess but th- um i guess people are saying that it's um i'm trying to come up with one of these reviewers here that said this thing um it, it, it this this, this thing like is saccharine i don't know if that's yeah yeah that was one of the words i saw saccharine oh, really? which meant si- i googled it it means sickly sweet and then um someone said it was uh, one of the more scathing reviews said something like isn't compelling um, and I guess what I was starting to picture in my head was like a firefly, but worse, where there was just lacking that conflict and that general like intrigue. And I just wanted to kind of throw that back at you. Like, here's what the critics are saying. Is there any validity to these statements? My short answer is no, there isn't validity. But I obviously I respect whatever folks end up uh, coming away with that's different from my own opinion and all that, you know, my opinion's subjective too. So I think that my reaction is these, these folks have differences and have prejudices and have conflicts that take place often because of those differences. I think there's, there's definitely yeah, conflict in this book, interpersonal issues and stuff that they have to resolve. And I think the time in which it would potentially come off as saccharine or or cloying or one of those (laughs) words uh, is that pretty much all of the crew do have good intentions. They are all trying their best to understand each other and support each other. And sometimes when they're doing that, they don't do it well because they don't completely understand each other and don't really know how to support each other. And I think that in some ways that's pretty cool because, you know, we all think we're the hero of our own story and we all (laughs) 
like to think that we have good intentions. I think most of us do. And I think that that in a lot of ways is quite realistic uh, for portraying folks who get into conflict. They're people trying their best and oftentimes things go awry anyway. And I don't know. That's how I've seen it. Hmm. All right. Well, it's very compelling. I'm a, you know, I would certainly, I'm definitely going to read it at some point. So <laughs> the question is, am I ready for sci-fi right now? We'll see. I'm going to withhold judgment until we get into the, into the last pitch here. All right. The big one. So again, this is, yeah, <laughs> this is Joe Abercrombie's first law world. Uh, it would be a total of eight books that we'd be locking into read at some point and we'd be throwing the first law trilogy uh, over onto our immediate to be red pile all right well charles what can i say about (laughs) joe abercrombie and his work in his first law world that i haven't already said at one point or another probably on this show right should i rave about how he has what I believe are the best, most nuanced characters in the whole genre? Should I tell you that his books brilliantly balance his witty, dry humor and subversion of fantasy with a dark, gritty setting in a way unparalleled by any other work I've ever read? Should I remind you that he is my single favorite author in (laughs) fantasy? Should I note that the Lord Grimdark himself was the first author to ever actually respond to us on any social media platform. <laughs> that was a great day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great day. <laughs> Charles, it's tempting to spend my pitch espousing Joe Abercrombie's greatness by focusing primarily on any one of these above-mentioned areas, but I'm choosing not to. And that's because I know that you already know all of these things. And Mm -hmm. I would think any of our longtime listeners probably have heard me talk about all of those things already. And Charles, you know all of these things in part because you've read the first four books already. So you've read uh, the first Law Trilogy. And you've also read Best Serve Cold, which is the first of standalones, if I'm remembering all this correctly. So, Charles, I I have to follow advice of one of my favorite characters, Logan Ninefingers. You have to be realistic about these things. I'm not going to be able to best sell you on buddy reading these books by telling you what you already know. Rather, I'm going to focus on something you can't yet know about Joe Abercrombie's work, and that is how much growth he has gone through as a writer since the books you've read. I'm going to say it right now on the podcast for all of our listeners to hear, all of our friends of friends. I think that (laughs) Joe Abercrombie's new trilogy, The Age of Madness, so far, is his best work to date. Wow. Yeah. So I'm putting it above the first Law trilogy. Whoa. Uh, So far. It's not done yet. (laughs) This is where I'm at. He has always had the character writing, and he has always absolutely had the voice (laughs) as a writer (laughs) but with his more recent work we have seen his ability to plot and pace improve to the point that it is up there with the best of them now charles remember how the blade itself was extremely character focused and although not a lot happened it was 
extremely worthwhile because you got to spend time being introduced to new characters that were really intriguing. Well, imagine if a book had the same quality of character writing while having a tight, interesting, and eventful plot. That's the kind of stuff that you get with the new trilogy, Charles. But I'm not alone in thinking that Abercrombie is only getting better as his writing career keeps moving along. So let me read you the Goodreads average ratings of his books. Okay. Let's start with the books that you've read, Charles. All right. Uh, so these four books that you've read. The Blade Itself, 4.16 stars. Before They Are Hanged, 4.29 stars. The Last Argument of Kings, 4.28 stars. Is that all out of five for the okay. record? Uh, Best Served Cold, 4.17 stars. So all obviously very good ratings. Um, those are the books you've read, Charles. That's an average of about 4.23 stars, those four books. Okay. So now let's hear the Goodreads ratings of books that Charles has not read. On average, The Heroes, 4.30 stars. Red Country, 4.30 stars. A Little Hatred, 4.47 stars. The Trouble with Peace, 4.69 stars wow. on average. Charles, you've read four books by Joe Abercrombie. And according to Goodreads, they are the four lowest rated <laughs> books of Joe Abercrombie's novels in the first law world. Yeah. So it's not counting sharp ends of short stories, but I'm not pitching that. Uh -huh. As Bachman Turner Overdrive once famously said, you ain't seen nothing yet, oh. Charles. <laughs> it's time that we buddy read Joe Abercrombie's work on this podcast. He's one of the biggest authors. This is one of the biggest series, and we've been remiss to go this long without covering his work. We can only hold off so long, Charles. You're going to need to catch up with Abercrombie's work eventually, and as Logan Ninefingers would say, once you've got tasks to do, it's better to do it than live with the fear of it. <laughs> You ain't seen nothing yet. Bow, bow. <laughs> B -b -b baby, yeah, this be careful, Charles. Seen... Charles, we we don't, we can't afford the lawsuit <laughs> if uh, <laughs> they, the lawyers come calling. Yeah, they'll be able to collect all the money we make off of the show. <laughs> all zero dollars worth. <laughs> We're not monetized. <laughs> um, we just do it for the love of the for game. For the love of the game. So, great pitch. Um, I, I think, you know... This was a huge one. I was looking forward to your pitch on this one. Obviously, Abercrombie's been a huge part of our personal conversations about fantasy long before we ever sat down to record. And I, what what what's to say? I, of course, I want to read these other books. And um, it would be exciting to be all caught up when the next book goes live and it's the end of another trilogy. I mean, it's, again, very compelling. So... I think I don't need much back and forth on this unless there's something you really want to reiterate about um, First Law. I'm just ready to go into the decision round. Wow. All right. Well, I'm just going to reiterate. You ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> okay. Good. Um. So, uh, man, this is tough. Gentlemen Bastards, uh, long been the underdog of the Friends Pitching Fantasy series. <laughs> Um, came in strong today. We finally heard the pitch after all these months. And uh, got to say, it's been at the top of my to-read pile for a very long time. Uh, a long way to a small, angry planet. This was new for me today uh, to learn about it. But 
Um, like you said, uh, good palate cleanser. I've always loved science fiction, and you know, it's a nice little break. One book, you read it, you move on. All very appealing. The fact it's won all kinds of awards and has people singing its praises is very compelling. And then you have the first law. You have Joe Abercrombie, like you said, the first author to to interact with us on Twitter. And <laughs> I mean, come on, it's, if you had to, if you had to become the champion of one fantasy series, I imagine you would pick. Um, work from Abercrombie. You imagine correctly, Charles. And for me, you know, I think the world would greatly benefit from hearing your perspectives on the First Law trilogy. I think uh, we have a lot of exciting things to say and discuss about those books. And because I have the advantage of having read these books, so I know what's coming up and all the possible conversations we can have. And it's very exciting. Um, yeah, like you said, we have to read eight books in the next, you know, 40 weeks or something like that. So we do not have a lot of time, um, if we were going to be all caught up, man, it's tough, man. I got to say, I, I hate to turn away any of these books. I wish we could read them all at once right now, but (laughs) as we know, with the friends pitching fantasy, only one series can go on. And I think the world deserves to know our thoughts and opinions on the first law. Yes, I'm Charles. choosing I mean, Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm supposed to be a little bit more on the unbiased side <laughs> as much as possible when I'm pitching these books, and I try to give my best effort at all of them. But... Ah, I love Joe Abercrombie's work and the first law so much. It, I am quite happy. To I will hear say, you say your that. delivery of that third and final uh, pitch was def- had a lot of good enthusiasm and energy behind it. Definitely got me excited. <laughs> um, and I hate to do gentlemen bastards like that again, but <laughs> it's almost like you know, keep coming back, kid. One of these days, it'll be your day. Um, <laughs> always the bridesmaid never the bride <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's Liza Lockamora <laughs> on the Friends Pitching Fantasy segment with Charles uh, well I'm looking forward to you bringing him up in the next the, in the next two over the next two Friends Pitching Fantasies right the next one you can't do it and then the one after that you'll have the option to bring it up again so um, yeah hopefully he'll come back uh but, you know, and then, you know, I love science fiction. It was my first love, but I'm, I'm not ready to to get away from good old swords and sorcery. You know, I'm still in that headspace. And maybe after eight books of Joe Abercrombie's Grim Dark World, <laughs> I'll be ready for a palate cleanser. <laughs> That's probably fair. But in the meantime, I am super pumped that we will finally be getting to covering Joe Abercrombie on and this show. And that's the thing. It does, it hasn't it's felt like, like a true to our relationship with having no yeah. Abercrombie on the show. I, like Listeners won't know this, but we've spent more time talking about Abercrombie than we have about 
Sanderson or Rothfuss only because we had read these books so long ago and and we haven't stopped talking about them since and it's really the only gap in our extensive conversations that we've had privately that have yet to come on the air so it's always felt like this missing piece for us and I'm glad that we can put on the calendar and start reading them and promoting them and talking about them it's it feels like home, you know? Yeah, Charles. And, you know, we do have listeners asking when we're going to cover First Law we in do? depth. <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, we've had direct message. I know I'm the It's not Abercrombie, guy, is so. it? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think Abercrombie uh, particularly <laughs> is tracking whether or not we've covered his uh, series in depth, but who knows? We'll be tweeting at him a whole lot. I was already tweeting <laughs> at him a whole lot <laughs> I, for like the first few weeks of our Twitter's existence. It was basically me just jumping up and down, asking Joe Abercrombie to notice <laughs> me until he finally did. And then I was like, okay, I, I can move on a little bit now. <laughs> but now we'll have something to actually go back and tell him. <laughs> yes. We awesome. will be tweeting lots at him. <laughs> sorry in advance joe if you're listening which sorry joe <laughs> you're not but maybe one day <laughs> you'll be hearing from me yeah. and all right well this is awesome charles i am so 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 excited me I, too man it's been i'm doing the math it's been several years since i've cracked the cover on an abercrombie book so i'm overdue for a reread anyway it's time it's time it's time all right. Well, well, Charles, I'm feeling great after that one. All right. So the first series has been decided of Dylan's pitches. The one that was chosen was none other than the first law by Joe Abercrombie. What will be the other series? You'll have to tune in on Wednesday when I give my three pitches and Dylan will decide. And from there, we will also determine the reading order. You're not going to want to miss it, folks. Yeah, you don't want to miss us narrating to you a digital coin flip, <laughs> which you can expect in this upcoming Wednesday's episode. Absolutely, so. absolutely. You're not going to want to miss that coin flip. You're not going to want to mm-hmm. miss more Friends Pitching Fantasy. And with that, thank you everybody so much for listening to yet another exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast If you liked what you heard today, throw us five stars, throw us likes, comments, reach out to us at the FDF podcast on Facebook and Instagram and the FDF podcast number one at the end on Twitter. You can also shoot us an email at thefdfpodcast at gmail.com. Do not hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. And loyal listeners... (laughs) Much like Charles when it comes to the first law world, ain't seen nothing yet. We've got another Friends Pitching Fantasy coming your way on Wednesday. Wednesday, everybody. Don't miss it. Until then, as always, go forth and conquer, friends. Friends.